This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast on this very busy Thanksgiving week. And a programming note our regular Football Friday podcast will be up on Wednesday so that we include all the Thanksgiving games and the first ever Black Friday game, which will feature the Jets, a new look Jet team, uh, which we'll get to in a minute. But first, some thoughts on last night's big time comeback win, or should we say the game the Chiefs completely threw away because they did. The Chiefs were in a commanding position in that game against the Eagles last night. As a matter of fact, they had really just taken the Eagle offensive line and the Eagle offense apart. And they were in very good position. At 17-14, after Hertz had scored on the 10-yard run, uh, and the game was now a one-score game, and anything can always happen in a one-score game, uh, they were in very good position. They were driving, and again, it's the critical mistake, the critical mistake that has haunted the chief offense all year, whether it's a penalty, whether it's a drop, whether it's a bad route, whatever it may be, it has haunted this offense all year. This chief defense is the best defense that Andy Reid has had in Kansas City. It's a Super Bowl-winning defense. It's that good. And if the offense can do its part, this Kansas City team is going to be very hard to keep out of the Super Bowl. And last night's game did not hamper that in terms of standings because they have a very comfortable position in their division. Uh, but it might have affected them in terms of the one seed, which they really want. They don't want to play in Baltimore. They don't want to play elsewhere. They want to be in Kansas City on the AFC title game, and you know that's what the goal is. We know they're going to the playoffs, but the mistake after mistake, and when Kelsey fumbles the ball last night, all right, and come up with your own punchline about how he's living his life the last couple of weeks because everyone else has. But he did have a drop last night, but he came back on fourth down and redeemed that. He did have a colossal fumble because they're going in the end zone there. That's a first down play. They're inside the 10-yard line. They're going to be second and change, second and goal. Uh, they're going to score a touchdown there. They're going to be up 10 points with 12 minutes to play, and they're going to be in a commanding position against a team that they have been able to run roughshod over all night. And instead, it's a ball game, and we know what happened from there. But then you get to something that if you've listened to these podcasts, you know that I have talked about week after week after week. And I blame Andy Reid and I blame all their coaches and I blame the entire, the entire team. They have known this. They have had to develop a primary wide receiver ta target for Mahomes, one he can trust, one he can go to. I think it's Rice. He's the one who doesn't seem to be uh, just a drop machine. Valdez Scantling, I've never trusted. And last night you saw a pass 
that was probably thrown on a scale of 1 to 100 at about 99.6 in his hands. The worst thing you could say about that play is he's going to go down on the half-yard line and not score the touchdown. Maybe he is. But that's the worst thing you could say about that play, which should have been a game-winning play from Mahomes, who then on fourth and and long after the uh, right call on grounding, which it was on third down, he hits Watson in the hands on fourth and 24, and Watson can't bring it in. So the Chiefs, who lead the league in drops, who you saw Andy Reid, tear Watson apart for running the wrong route earlier in the game. They have missed big play after big play. Two weeks ago in Denver, it was Sky Moore in the back of the end zone on a perfect pass, dropping it. These drops can't continue, and they have done a terrible job of locating who is the player. Now, they couldn't trade for him. You know, Devontae Adams wasn't going to drop in their lap, Okay. Nobody's going to be dumb enough to trade him in the division, nor trade him to the Chiefs where he would have made an incredible impact. They have to come up with a player that Mahomes believes can catch the ball, run the right route, get past the sticks, get into the end zone, and make the play when the game is on the line, or you're going to see that again in a playoff game, and it's going to cost them a trip to the Super Bowl. The other thing that Andy did last night is something that has plagued him at times during his career. He went away from the run too much. They were killing him with the run. They had 121 yards rushing in the first half. They rushed for 4.7 a carry in the second half, and they went away from the running game too much. That is something that has plagued Andy a lot. Andy wants to get back to his passing game. That's always been a bit of a fault. He doesn't have a lot of faults because he's an all-time great coach. And he's one of the great imaginative offensive coaches of all time. And, you know, his place in Canton, his wing in Canton is already assured. And, you know, if you've listened to this show that I love Andy Reid. But that's his one Achilles heel. He wants to get back to the passing game. And he did again last night at the detriment of the running game, which was working. It was really working well. They rushed for 121 yards in the first half. Only 47 in the second half. But these drops of these perfectly placed Mahomes passes cannot continue. Kansas City, believe it or not, has not only had three of the worst offensive games of Mahomes' career in recent weeks, they have not scored in the second half of three consecutive games. The Chiefs. Three straight games, 0-0, zero, zero, third quarter, fourth quarter. Just to show you how much the offense is letting down the team and how well the defense is keeping them in the game. Now, big win for the Eagles. Eagles are in the midst of this five-game stretch that started last night with the Chiefs. They're now 9-1. and one. The last three weeks, they played the Giants, the Cards, and the Giants. They're going to win those games. So if you look at it now, the Eagles are 9-1 with three wins at the end of the season. They have four tough games left. They play the Bills. They play the Niners. They play the Cowboys. They play the Seahawks. They got a win last night that they probably shouldn't have gotten, but they got it. So give them credit for hanging tough. And then when Kansas City handed it on a silver platter, they took it. All right. Listen, they were beaten on the pass probably. But you know what? 
who knows? Maybe they would have come back and scored again with 150 left. You, you can't rule that out. Eagles are a good team, but they're missing. Something's wrong with this offense all year. And the fact is they have not meshed with the offensive coordinator like the old offensive coordinator. has been a problem all year. They've overcome that at times, but last night they had to be very concerned about how their offensive line looked because Kansas City ripped it to shreds. Now, late in the game, they made a big pass play. They ran the ball when they had to. Swift made some big runs. Hurts made some big runs, and they wind up winning a game that they probably should have lost. But they get a win. They're 9-1. and one. More power to them. Kansas City, tough loss in terms of the number one seed, but they have a very comfortable lead in their division. Their schedule is not tough. They do play the Bills, but other than that, they have a bunch of games that they are going to win. They have the Raiders first, then they have the Packers, they have the Pats, they have the Raiders again, they have the Bengals without Burrow, they have the Chargers, who are going to be looking for a new coach the last week of the season. Uh, and then sandwiched in the middle of that, they have the Bills. They don't have a tough schedule. They are going to be fine. But they have got to finally spend the holidays locating who that receiver is. I think his name is Rice, number four. Because if they don't, this, what you saw last night, will be reenacted in the postseason and it will cost them a trip to the Super Bowl. Just made an announcement that I expected after the way things unfolded. I told you I did not think that Zach would be the quarterback. He's been banished. He's now the number three quarterback, which means he's been completely banished. Tim Boyle's the quarterback Friday against the Dolphins on the Black Friday game, 3 o'clock on Friday. Simeon's the backup, okay? Wilson is only the emergency quarterback. He has been banished completely. Why the about face after Salas sat there and said, hey, it's very, very easy. He even called it lazy to just say the quarterback's playing bad. Well, you know what? We said it because the quarterback was playing bad. And you had to know it. Now, the question I don't know the answer to is, was this Salah's ineptitude? We know it's Hackett's ineptitude. But is this Salah's ineptitude, or was there pressure from above to keep playing Zach? I don't know that. With a number two pick, it can be one or the other. But tie them together in a bow, Salah and Douglas, and tell, realize this, their careers are on the line. They now live in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. That's where they live. This is all about Mr. Rogers. It's not about anything else. It's not about Zach Wilson. Salah will be back next year because Mr. Rogers' is neighborhood. Hackett, despite being awful at his job, will be back next year because he's a big part of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Boyle is here and is getting a chance to start despite the fact he has not shown any redeeming qualities as a quarterback in his brief stints in the NFL because he's part of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. This is all about Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Now, we've heard for weeks how Mr. Rogers is going to make this Christmas Eve return in week 16. The question I have now is, why? If the Jets are not going to do an about-face starting this week against the Dolphins and go on a hellacious winning streak, 
What is Rodgers coming back to? The team will have been eliminated. So if they lose to the Dolphins this Friday with Boyle at quarterback, and I'm willing to give Boyle's you know, a look because I haven't seen a lot of him in his career. I know what his stats are in his few starts. He's had three starts in his career. They haven't been impressive. But I'm willing to take a clean slate with him because I haven't seen a lot of him. Now, that's fine. I'm not expecting a whole lot. Again, losing the team because veterans know. Veterans know who can play and who can't play. And so do talented kids on your offense know who can play and who can't play, which is why the quarterback change had to finally be made, even though it was made way, 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 way too late. If they lose to the Dolphins this week, you have to slow Rodgers down if you're the Jets and tell him, hey, there's nothing to rush back to. Build your foundation as properly as you possibly can. We don't need you on Christmas Eve. You have no role this year, and I envision this role he wanted to play on Christmas Eve this year, but there's no role to be played. There's no reason to come back, and it would be foolhardy for the Jets to take a property that they still feel can lead them to special things next year. And they're putting all their chips on him for next year. Get him ready for next year. Why would you possibly bring him back? And then risk to catastrophe in meaningless games for you as far as the rest of this year. Your die is cast. You don't want to bring him back then. So you want to, after this week, if they lose, slow his engines down as far as this incredible rehab, which we don't know if it was going to work or not work, but it should no longer be an issue. But remember, in my mind, the only reason that these guys are coming back is because they all live in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Now, let's be honest. Whether you're Douglas, whether you're Salah, Hackett, forget. I mean, he should, they moved him upstairs. They should move him out of the building. We all know that. But he's here. And he's here because he is part of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. The bottom line is this. This is all built for Rogers to take his shot next year. And that means everything should be done to fortify that shot, to make that shot as good as it can possibly be. That means don't draft defensive players with your premium picks this year. That means do everything in your power or get, find somebody who can find offensive linemen and build them an offensive line and get them a dependable backup quarterback who can play for two or three weeks if he goes down. And if catastrophe hits, maybe can salvage something. And that is not Zach. And that is who will be on the last year of his contract and will, has probably played his last game as a Jet. Zach will get another chance in the league. I don't know if he's going to get another chance with the Jets. I would say probably not. And that probably means, unless we see something earth-shaking, probably means that it's not one of the quarterbacks on the roster this year. It is a dependable guy that you can put in here, sign him to be the backup, whether it's Tannehill, whether it is, you know, one of the guys who can play like Brissett 
or Bridgewater, whoever it may be, guys who live on one-year contracts but can actually play in this league. They should, be, they should have one of those here as the backup quarterback, not have a guy that can't play at the backup quarterback position because Rodgers is ancient, and he's got bad wheels, surgically repaired wheels. But what has to change is the offensive line. Last year in the offseason, during all this Rodgers euphoria, which I was a big part of, I said there were two things that concerned me. One was I didn't trust the the coaching staff as far as I could throw it. I trust it less today. And I said, I have tremendous fears about this offensive line. Both came true. Now, I didn't know Rodgers was going to go down four plays into the season. Nobody did. But the Jets, they now live in Mr. Rodgers' neighborhood. That's all this is about. And it's about next year. Unless they are going to perform some kind of minor miracle and go on this crazy winning streak between now and the 24th of December so that he can come down the chimney and try and lead the Jets to the postseason. That only works because, you know, maybe you haven't noticed, but they've lost their last three games. After the giant gift, which they should have lost, they lost their last three games. They haven't been pretty doing it. Their offensive inefficiencies are historic. You have to go back to the 70s to find teams as bad on third down, as bad in the red zone, as bad as getting into the end zone as the Jets have been. And Zach, and this is not to punish him, has been as bad on plays where he has perfect protection and open and protected pocket, his statistics on those plays are worse than the average journeyman quarterback's numbers on plays where he is under duress. That's scary. That's scary. And that's why he has to be relegated to the number three. And I feel bad for the kid. I don't think he's a bad kid. He's been thrust into a situation, and he was not properly prepared to play in this year. But again, he became part of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And although these guys should all be packing, Salah and Hackett and maybe even Douglas, and all three of these quarterbacks, they now are all part of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. But that neighborhood's got to change. It's got to get a lot tougher and a lot better if the Jets are going to finally do something next year and what will be the only guaranteed year, if there's such a thing, that they can expect under Rodgers. So that is what you take from the change of quarterback. You have to look at all this Christmas Eve nonsense with a very, very jaundiced eye because none of it should happen unless this defense and, you know, these players are going to snap two now with Boyle. Hey, I'm, I'm fair. Let's give Boyle a chance. He's playing a defense that isn't great. He's playing against a big-time offense that looks a little banged up because we don't know about the scat back and he hurt his knee again, Ashan, so we don't know about him this week. Uh, Hill's a little banged up, but he'll play. He always plays. 
So they have weapons. You know they're going to score some points. The question is, can the Jets defense do a good job and keep them in the game, and can Boyle make enough plays? Let's see. Can he run the offense? Can he set up properly? Can he get rid of the ball orderly? Can he not miss screen passes? Can he not miss open slants? Can he not miss Wilson when he's wide open? Those are the things we need to see. He gets a chance now to have his moment. As we hit Thanksgiving, and again, the podcast for week 12 will be tomorrow, so don't miss it. A big holiday podcast. You got a lot of coaches probably going to be changing locales after this year. Chargers, you know they're going to have a new coach. They should have had one a while ago. Washington's going to have a new coach. A lot of rumors that Carolina, after just one season, could have a new coach. That's how upset Tepper is. Bears could have a new coach. I doubt Vrabel will be in Tennessee the way things have unfolded this year. Is he the next coach in New England? Only if Belichick leaves. No one knows yet about Belichick's future. He'd have a job in two minutes, and there could be two or three other jobs that could open. A couple of them premium. And I consider the Charger job premium in a big, big way. That's for the right coach to walk in and snap his finger and win immediately. And that right coach, of course, we know who he is. Your emails when we return. You're listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Remember, uh, go to the Bet Rivers app for all of your wagering needs as you hit this big part of the season where you want to be making your wages over the holidays with all the bowl games coming, with all the playoff games coming, with all the final big weeks of the season. The great, you know, football is wall to wall from Thanksgiving right through the NFC and AFC title games. It is wall-to-wall football. you got great stuff this weekend. you got Ohio State, Michigan. you got a whole bunch of stuff going on. And you go to the Bet Rivers app, faster experience, exclusive promotions, one app while traveling, and all the different things you can do, including play to Bet Rivers Squares, where you could win up to $10,000 by just placing $10 on a same-game parlay. So check it out. Go to BetRivers.com. And remember, they are the exclusive sponsor of Mike Francesa. Podcast. You want to send me an email, Mike Francesa Gmail at uh, Mike Francesa Podcast at gmail.com. Let's see what's on your mind today uh, as we get ready for this uh, very, very special Thanksgiving week. And we will have uh, a lot of stuff for you tomorrow. So, uh, a couple of different things tomorrow. So, be looking for them. A little different podcast coming up. Uh, might be two new ones tomorrow. So, be, be ready for it. Uh, Thomas, with all the changes coming in college football and the NFL now adding a game on Black Friday, can you see a scenario where college football or the NFL play a game on the same day as Army-Navy? No, I do not think they will do that. That is sacrosanct. I'd be dead set against that. I, I think that if you take away what is their day, it would be a wrong message all the way around. I would not like to see that in any way, and that would be gluttonous on the NFL's part. Um... And the NFL does not creep into Saturdays until the college football season is over. The college football season is not over until after the Army-Navy game. Um, if Ro- this is from Paul. If Roger Goodell asked what are at least three of the NFL's biggest problems, what would you say and what revenues would you offer? Um, number one is the enormous toll that injuries take on this season. And somehow making the players safer without taking away any of the qualities that make 
football what it is. It's a very fine line to walk. It's very difficult. But the number of injuries that we see week after week after week, just look at the, how many rookie quarterbacks are playing. Look at how many inept quarterbacks are playing. When you see a borderline roughing the passer call, like you saw last night with Mahomes, that was a very borderline pass interference call. I mean, roughing the passer call. That is because they try to keep the quarterbacks healthy because the game stinks when you have backup quarterbacks playing. As far as the other thing, I think they need to come. I think the NFL has enough money and enough science behind it to come to a uniform field. I'm talking about a surface that the Players Association can agree on, that everybody can agree on, that is financially feasible, that is maintainable, that is safer, and is one that the players are happy with. There should be a uniform field now in the NFL. That can be used both indoors and outdoors. They clearly have the science to do it, and I think that's something that should be part of their future. Raj, big Niner fan here. Which quarterback would you rather have starting for your team right now, Purdy or Goff? I would rather have Purdy. Purdy fits that team like a glove. He's not a great quarterback, but he fits that system perfectly, absolutely perfectly, and he comes off the last two weeks, six touchdown passes, uh, 40 or 50, six touchdown passes, no intercepts. He's played two perfect games in a row, and they are scary when they're good. Mike, what are your thoughts in the in-season NBA tournament? I think it is probably one of the worst in-season decisions that any major sport has made in years. I, will, I have turned away completely from the NBA at this portion of the season, because I think this whole thing is so, so much an outrageous, foolhardy reach to add some importance and to get the players to stay on the court. They can't keep their star players on the court. That's been the big problem. And you never know when anybody's playing in that league anymore, which has destroyed their regular season. They added some bite to it by saying you can't win awards if you don't play 60 games. That was a smart move. This in-season thing is one of the colossal, foolhardy jokes I have ever seen. And I, I am actually surprised that the NFL, the NBA went forward with it. Because to me, it is really nothing short of a disgrace. It's a joke. It's a competitive joke. Assuming the Giants have a top five pick, should they use it on a quarterback? Yes. You can never, I learned this from Ernie Acorsi, and you know what? It's a very true NFL fact. You can never have too much quarterback play. You can never have too much pitching. You can never be too rich. You can never have too many quarterbacks. You can never have too many pitchers. You'll find a way to go through them. The Giants need to take a look at a, if they have a pick that allows them one of these big three quarterbacks, they need to bring them to camp. Santee, it is clear Rodgers is tied to the hip with Hackett. Uh, out of curiosity, why would a quarterback as talented as Rodgers be so tied to Hackett? Um, good question. You don't know why Rodgers is tied to Hackett, nor do I. But here's the deal. If Rodgers wants Hackett, he gets Hackett. But when Rodgers is not on the field, Hackett is worthless. It's kind of cruel, but it's true. 
I think the body of work shows it. He shouldn't be running anything in this league. And again, the Jets are stuck in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. He shouldn't be here. That's all there is to it. But if he's here and Rogers is on the field, all of a sudden Hackett doesn't bother you so much because you don't even know he's here. Brendan, Lions offense is formidable. Yes, it is. Defense is performing uh, far from championship caliber. Yes, it is. Does Detroit have enough talent this year to be able to keep with the better NFC playoff teams? Great question. Lions are going to be no worse than the two seed. If they win against Green Bay on Thanksgiving, they'll be 9-2. They have a game with Dallas. They have nothing else that's tough. They have two games with the Vikings, but even if they split those, they're in good shape. They are going to be in a very commanding position as far as the division goes. They're already going to be gone, and they're going to be, they still have a chance to be a one seed if the Eagles fall in these next four games. Now, they're going to be probably no worse than two. The Lions are well coached. He's a fiery leader. They are not yet a championship team. I would not expect them to be able to beat the Eagles, the Niners. I'm afraid to say Cowboys because I don't trust the Cowboys and Dak in the playoffs. I'd say that is a game they could maybe win, but I don't think they would beat the Eagles or the Niners in a big spot. I don't think they're ready to do that. Uh, I think they are clearly a playoff team, and I think they'll win a playoff game, but I do not think they'll go to a Super Bowl yet. Not with that defense. You think Daniel Jones' days are over with the Giants? Not necessarily. But again, if they have a pick or can trade into the top, they should take one of those quarterbacks and bring him in. Jack, Joe Douglas is 24 and 52 since taking over the team as GM. Uh, I understand he had a good draft, but do we need to see another 76 games? Joe Douglas has not gotten beat up as much as uh, Zach has or Hackett has or Salah has, but he deserves to get beat up with the team he put on and the product he put on the, the field this year. He did a very poor job with the offensive line. Uh, he did a very poor job with some of the people he brought in. He made a lot of mistakes. We don't have to go chapter and verse here. He needs to be a lot better real quick, or you know what? Part of the next house cleaning will include him. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.